0: Good morning and welcome to this week's Global Intelligence Update. I'm your host, Kirsten Quinn with the Circle of Excellence. With me this morning is our guest Rashani shenaz founder of Holistic Wellbeing. And she will be speaking about how to be your best self through wellness. So welcome, Rashani.
1: Good to have you with us. <laughs> and there uh, thank you, Christine. It's my pleasure. said to everyone.
0: Great. So, Rashani, you were a high-profile media and TV professional and decided to leave it all behind for a spiritual calling. What happened and why did you do it?
1: I think the question of why did I do it uh, wouldn't arise here because I didn't really do it. I was very happy in my film work and uh, wanted uh, to be a filmmaker go to the cons win the film fair and it was two decades of dreams and passion that had gone into my work so uh, the s of spirituality was uh, way far off in my life as far as pursuing it or seeking it or having these questions of who am i and all of that so none of that existed in my life and i was very much in the hustle uh, you know, uh, of the grind to make it big, and make it bigger rather, I was already at the peak of my career. Uh, Then I had a little halt in about 2005-2006, when I went through uh, a life death illness, and almost became a medical guinea pig for about a year and a half, which got wiped off. And uh, touching death at that point in time, the only thing that kept telling me within my you know inner self was that it's not over and though the doctors or everyone didn't know whether i would make it whether i would come out of this something within me just kept going that it is not over And uh, after that uh, time, I did get back to life. I did get back to my industry, to my work, to my freelancing and in fact was uh, at the high point of pitching my script to various stars and all of that. When uh, all of a sudden there was this churning, though after my illness, there was this uh, certain amount of change within me. I no more uh, loved doing the same things. I could not uh, take in the regular or the everyday, you know, partying and the film events and so on. I kind of curtailed, I kind of went within me and didn't socialize much. Not that I didn't like it or I controlled myself. I just didn't want to be in a certain space. And I realized these little nuances though, but was not sure what was happening so i took it with the flow and uh, then around 2008 2009 i was at the peak of turmoil in life because i had gone into almost uh, close to a crore of rupees of debt with my medicals and i just didn't know where to close this off from So I had to sell off my house and I had an 85-year-old father at that time. So it was a complete uh, destruction of the old in its sense. And I was more than ground zero out there at that time. And that is when uh, my gifts, as I would like to call them, just started opening on their own. So I'm not... uh, uh, learned or certification oriented, uh, you know, spiritual healing medium or therapist or well-being coach. It opened up within me to first heal myself. And I would never ever have dreamt of anything called meditation before that in my life, you know? And I would just sit blank for hours together, leaning against the wall on my bed. And I would have this, you know, a great surge and influx of so-called thoughts at that time so i have the cognizant ability of uh, what i would say inner guidance or channeling or whatever that you may call and it it was as if somebody is giving me dictation but there was no voice or anything and i just started feeling that i am following something that is going on within me and the first step was to heal all the garbage and debris right from my childhood everything that was seemingly holding me back, things that I didn't even in my conscious mind ever dream of knowing about kind of sprouting up. And then it started with getting messages for close friends and people around me. And that's where the path took off. And at some point in time, it in 2000 May 2010 May, I started getting this voice to leave my job to leave my job and obviously I was like rock bottom just selling my house and I was like what the heck like you know who is this talking and I thought maybe it's some side effects of all that medication that was pumped into me (laughs) and I started ignoring it but uh, it was so strong that one fine day mid-may I just walked up in my office wrote a handwritten resignation and I left it all and uh, it took in about 15 days for it to sink in, that I have no salary, I have no money, and I have to lead a life. And that's where it all began.
0: Wow, that's very interesting. And, and tell me, I know you mentioned now a few lessons that you learned, but looking back at your illness, what lessons came from it for your life?
1: I think, uh, Christine, the main lesson is currently my core mission of life, you know, as well. That is to spread awareness and ways to self care and wellness. We love this term workaholic, you know, and we feel elated when we give that 500% to our work. Indeed, it's great, we ought to do so. But we must stop to think at what cost. And for sure, that cost cannot be your well being of life. We understand and need to understand that the one who is, you know, churning that grind is the one who has to turn its wheel and bring home the bread as well. And touching death and coming back, sorry, you're asking, saying something? No, I said so true. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And touching death and coming back made me realize this, that even while I was fighting, I was coordinating the release of a film at that time from the ICU. And my doctor had to literally snatch my phone and threw it aside one fine day. And I learned that all that made me reach that point was a disservice, in fact, to my 85-year-old father, my loved ones, and for all whom I actually wanted to earn a great living for, including myself. And because I was lying there and getting that treatment, it was fine for me to an extent, right? You're looked after the hospital, the doctors, whatever, it's going on, something is going on. But what was unimaginable was the state of my father coming there every evening in the visiting hours and seeing me in that condition. And this is what happens with all of us who reach that point of no return burnout. We actually are doing a disfavor to the very loved ones who we think we are doing great help to and we are running helter-skelter to do things for them. So my mission and the lesson out of this whole illness and the journey was to help each and every person I possibly can touch the life of, to learn the art of prioritizing and putting yourself first in a healthy sense. Uh, I would like to give an example over here. Uh, you know, uh, Can I just use the whiteboard? Yes, of course. Excuse my rough uh, drawing, but say I am this point of existence, okay? And then there are spokes. This is my father, my mother, my boyfriend, my fiance, husband, friends, boss, this one, that one. And they all form the circle of my life. Now, what is holding all of them is this center point. They become Roshni's mother, Roshni's father, Roshni's sister, Roshni's boss, XYZ. So as in Hindi, we call vajud or identity connection. So this identity connection is with the center point of the wheel. Now, if this wheel has to disintegrate and fall off, the spokes are individual. They are Mr. Patel, Mr. Brown, Mr. This, Miss That. They are not connected to the center in any relationship. And it is this center that is holding the wheel of life. And if I truly love my, you know, people around my loved ones and want to do something for them, I need to take care of this core. I need to take care of the central point, which is holding the wheel of life. And thereby, I always keep saying self-care is not selfish. Actually, when you do not have self-care to be prioritized in your life, then you are selfish. Because you are not thinking what will happen to everybody around in this spokes of, you know, the wheel of life when you crash. Because it is not just one person falling in. It is a family that gets tarnished. It is a family that gets disintegrated in so many ways, fragmented in so many ways, torn apart financially, emotionally, mentally, physically. People have to stop their lives because you are lying in bed. And thus, the importance of self-care and wellness is the biggest lesson that I took home and I have been sharing the last 12 years with people in my life. Amazing, thank you for that. And um, you
0: brought out India's first oracle book of 365 channeled angel messages with healing affirmations and illustrations about six years ago. Tell us briefly about the journey to do something that radical and how you
1: went about it. So uh, once again, just like everything else was happening in my life, uh, the book also came about in the same way. So in 2011 i started uh, writing these daily messages on my facebook page as the energy you know uh, messages for the day with healing affirmations that came about and the same thing whenever i would sit in meditation or just silent uh, i would say sitting around i wouldn't call it meditation because there was no formal meditating that i really did and i just said you know, blank, waiting for what had to come down. And uh, as I was doing this every day at one point in time, I uh, got this uh, while uh, my prayers in the night that this would become a book for helping humanity for posterity. And these healing messages and affirmations would touch lives in a way never imagined by me and to keep going with it. And at that time I was very much in the closet because uh, Till 2013, I was kind of freelancing and overlapping with my film work as well to a little bit after I left my last job. I was teaching at a film school and all my spiritual learning that was coming out was also being kind of infused in my teaching for the students who were planning to step out into their dream you know, careers. And uh, film career is very, very, very throat cutting more than any other career and there is always insecurity there is always this comparison there is always this fear of you know not reaching there somebody else reaching before you so all the work that i was doing on myself was helping me to help those you know uh, young enthusiastic souls who were surrounding me in the classroom every single day and at this point in 2011 end I had an article coming up uh, in one of the spiritual magazines called Life Positive which is one of the oldest and most prominent spiritual magazines in India and uh, the writer had been seeing my Facebook uh, work and uh, she had approached me that she would love to do a story. In a section of their magazine on uh, you know leaving this world of uh, glamour and uh, completely moving towards something so radical and uh, 180 degrees turn in my life and uh, when i was interacting with them one fine day i again uh, have this message in my prayers that they are the people who will publish a book of these messages Till then, there was uh, no message for a book uh, in its literal sense of, you know, pitching it to publishers or anything of that sort. And I wasn't doing uh, anything in that direction at all. So I wrote this big mail, you know, to the editor. And I said that, you know, I got this message that uh, you guys would publish this. And I'm sending you these little, you know, messages. And this is the thought of the book. This is how the compilation would be. And she very sweetly called me for and uh, very politely told me that they don't publish books. They are not a publisher. They just do this magazine. And uh, one of books that they have done is of the master that the founder of that magazine follows. And it's just a one-off. So I said, okay, that's fine. And I just went back home. Now by then what had, you know, God strengthened within me, I could say his faith. I would implicitly trust what I got in my guidance. No questions asked. So if I have got that they are going to publish it, I know that they're going to publish it. I don't know when. And I wouldn't ask when. But I would keep doing my work towards that goal, milestone by milestone. And then came 2014 when I incidentally bumped into the founder at one of their own events. I didn't even know he was the founder. And I started talking. And I felt guided to reach out to him and tell him about the book. And he said, we are thinking of getting into publishing and we are going to set up a team by next year. So I'll let you know if the team is interested, you can send me a mail. And I sent him the mail as guided. One year, I never kind of messaged him. I did not ask him, no follow-up, nothing at all. And exactly almost 11 months later, at 2 30 in the night while i finished my prayers i was guided to message aditya and ask him what's happening and he lives in the u.s so it was morning time for him and right there after my prayers i sent him a whatsapp message hi hope everything is well and any news on the book and your publishing department And he says, oh, yes, next week are the interviews and we are just recruiting the team. So why don't you wait out for some more months and the team will get back and I will definitely put forth. But I cannot promise to say anything because I won't interfere. I said, rightfully so, Uh, you know, whatever due merit it has, if it gets through to your team, so be it. And that's all. We left it to that. And then it was cut to 2015. Uh, October when he messaged me that you've not been responding to my new editor. I said, oh, I've not got any mails. And then uh, though I clear my spam every now and then, I had not cleared it for almost a month and all five mails of the editor were lying in the spam. And then I kind of replied to her, And she said that uh, we would like to publish all the three books that you have mentioned in the mail. But first, we would like to publish this one. And is it possible that you could give it to us by 10th of December? And I just very happily, excitedly wrote that yes to her. And then after one hour, I'm thinking, how the heck am I going to give her a book in like six weeks time? And uh, I wrote back to her. I said, "Hey, can I just uh, think back in two more days whether it'll get over? Because I've been writing these messages, but you know, the chapters that I want to give it and what I guided, I've not done any of that." So she says, "Okay, let me know." And that's when I start to think that, "Okay, let me see if these messages are already there." And then I got guided. No, I have to channel new messages for the new energies that are oncoming for the entire world and the entire universe. And I don't know how, but the book got completed in six weeks, rather four and a half weeks, and was sent to her, including illustrations of the 15 archangels that were channeled uh, with distant communication with my student who lives in Lucknow, which is north of India and uh, i would sit in channeling of whatever vision that i would get i would communicate that with her and what she came up with was about say five percent a little away from what came into my vision and that was the beauty of seeing divinity work full throttle i had never experienced these kind of things ever in my life as such and to all the aspect of you know Uh, esoteric work or the voo voo that we think there's nothing of that sort in my work in its literal sense because what I saw was that this word called practical spirituality was my mission of how to help people co-create their good in everyday life that there is nothing please go home, everything is well now, no that is not my work I'm a spiritualist to help you awaken your latent potential, gifts, talent, everything that is lying within each of us. The only difference is that it is either dormant or it is active. And for those of which it is dormant, my work is to help them activate it from being passive to become active in co-creating your life and that's how the book came about and it has transformed with uh, divine grace several lives in guiding them healing them whoever have experienced the book have experienced immense energies and i have uh, pictures and i have testimonies of uh, at least nine people who have sent me pictures of putting it at their altars and saying this is no ordinary self-help book this book has some energy And I cannot put my, you know, hand to it or finger to it, but there is something there that I daily feel and my family is experiencing it. And that was my biggest, you know, uh, reward, award, whatever that you may say, out of that book.
0: And tell us, are you going to be looking at doing another book in the near future?
1: Uh, Yes, I'm working on uh, two books more, rather three books, but two more one is complete in its sense. It is called the Mojosh Earth Angels and it is along with another co-author. So we have some celebrities, some people from different walks of life who have got out of their you know run-of-the-mill corporate jobs or whatever and risen through the ashes to do something for humanity. So it is the lives of uh, about 15 to 20 such people Uh, who can inspire. So that book is complete and we are looking out to, you know, extend it to publishers for the same. And the other is 99 Days of Mindfulness, whereby I'm working on each day. One thing that we can focus on and uh healing affirmation that will help us to focus on that thing we cannot do too many things why do our resolutions fail that we make in the beginning of the year because we want to do this we want to do that we want to do that and we want to go there but by 10th of january most of us have most of the resolutions all dissolved and going nowhere we overwhelm us most of the time so for Me, the learning it through seminars and through my clients and students in our, you know, workshops is that don't create goals, create milestones because they are easier to reach. Create baby steps towards what you want to reach so that you do not become a parent who is stuffing in, uh, you know, rice and dal and vegetables to a five month old kid. You're giving him porridge and you're giving him gripe water and you're giving him soft food. And if we treat ourselves in that gentle way, then we will be able to be more productive and achieve far more than overwhelming ourselves day to day in trying to keep up to the race around us, which we get completely thrown off with seeing on social media. Very true. So um, tell us, you
0: have a lot of certifications and accreditations. How important do you feel they are for someone
1: who is a spiritual healer? Again, to begin with at the onset, I would say I don't use the word healer, but believe and live by this that I am here to be a healing medium, a wellness medium or a well-being medium, because there is only one greatest power in the universe that runs it all, who is the doer. We are all mere mediums just like the tap which passes the water onto us and becomes the medium for it to reach us. So the first step to the healing world or space for me is the releasing of the doership and yet doing your guided human actions in your capacity to the best of your abilities and potential. So as for the certifications and the accreditations, they came along the path and journey. I've never reached out to procure them, get them, nominate myself for them or anything. I'm a raw medium, as I said earlier, in the sense that my gifts opened up through my life's expedition as I went along. And it wasn't about doing courses or garnering certificates that uh, made me come to this point. So in the early times, the one solo workshop that I was guided to do was uh, this three-day workshop about knowing what angels are and how they help humanity and you know a very basic one yet those three days i didn't know what i was doing because i was like a zombie during those uh, days and i just didn't know where life was going so i did it but i had no clue to why i did it besides the fact of following my inner voice and later i did my reiki masters as well in 2010 itself but besides these two I have never ever been lured or guided to do multiple workshops and this and that, and just kind of, you know, attract myself to modalities and then thereafter doing that work where people's lives were being touched including starting my own ngo is when these award certifications organically started coming of people you know seeing my work on facebook or seeing the posts and so on as i said including you including my i've never reached out for anything i have never reached out for any pr i've never reached out for any marketing i've never given a block of ad in these 12 years about my work so what i felt when these awards and certifications were coming, that they were required more for the world than for me. Unfortunately, we live in a world where all of these things matter more to people than what they really truly get from the person. And it includes, like I have people telling me, oh, you are very well personalized for a spiritual person. You're so well manicured. You're so well kept. You wear such lovely clothes. I said, this is the very thing that makes you become a fool. Because people get into a garb to fool you. Because you have a framework of everything. Spiritual people should look like this. Spiritual people should be like this. And then people have the capacity to put on that act, to put on that facade because that's what you want. And that's where God has with grace never allowed me to go. And that's to learn that spirituality is not about renouncing anything it's about renouncing my old self renouncing my lower desires renouncing everything that is not serving me anymore and blocking my well-being of life it has made me fuller it has made me more uh, you know uh, enjoyable fun loving that i already was i am scales up to that i still enjoy cracking up with my friends i have friends and circles going back to friends from my nursery school which means that i was two and a half years old and today i'm 49 with my birthday coming up next week so that is the (laughs) longest amount of friendships that i hold amazing and that is what the certificates did that yes People got, oh, she's certified. Okay, let me go and see her. So the first, maybe the line of people who came. And then it was completely organic. I have no clue from where which client came, where did they read what, and have been brought to me. And I've kept it that way up till now. So, yes. Thanks. Okay, so COVID rocked people's worlds. Um, Some chose
0: to externalize and others to internalize you feel it gave people a chance to do some deeper inner work? Or what was the nature of the work you did with people?
1: So for me, the COVID was the biggest karmic teacher for all of us. As I said, we have to a large extent taken life for granted. Very true. And this major pause button was you know, coming in due time kind of a thing for all of us. But with all that happened, what surfaced also on the other side was blossoming of love, compassion, kindness, courage. The highest percentage of entrepreneurs that have risen in India and across the world has been in these two years. People have started businesses almost out of nothing. And it is like saying that when you want to do work, when you want to do business, when you want to start something, it is not about selling what I have to give you. It is about what I'm solving. And people rose to the occasion to solve And at one hand, people were losing jobs. People were completely, you know, despondent about what's next. The uncertainties were killing people. There was a lot of sadness and grief. I personally lost three family members, immediate family members, including my cousin and his wife. In weeks time, leaving a 20 year old daughter behind to an uncle, to very, very close friends. But at the same time, I acknowledged it to honor all those who were courageously standing up for themselves, their family and humanity to do what they did. With me, the funny thing was that just before the lockdown, I had gone for volunteership to my spiritual, uh, you know, space of my master where his tomb shrine is. And I was a volunteer at the medical hospital over there and the second day that I reached that I had a fall but I just went on with it because that was my first official volunteering with the hospital and I didn't want to come back uh, with uh, the hurt and I said no I have to go on I've come here I have to do it so the next 18 days I was with a hurt wrist knee and an ankle my entire left side was cracked up and by the 14th day My leg had almost swollen up to become like a little elephant leg and I couldn't walk. And being a volunteer at the hospital, I was on wheelchair and still doing the work with the registers and, you know, allocation of duties of the other doctors who had come there and so on. I came back in February and I was asked to do an immediate knee surgery. So I went through the surgery with uh, six weeks of rehab and physiotherapy and so on. And it was exactly when my physiotherapy almost ended on 10th of March and 14th of March, the lockdown was called out. And right there with a huge wristband, you will still see those live sessions, which are there on my YouTube. I started from 18th of March as guided one to one and a half hour sessions on how people can keep up their equilibrium during this time, what they can do for their wellness, what they can do for their loved ones, what they could do little things as home remedies and things that will help them to have emotional and mental balance as well. And so started the live sessions with a daily chanting and collective prayer that we did. So it was live on Facebook and YouTube. Over 300 live sessions were done including a series called the Wellbeing wisdom series which was where i picked up a few friends from my film industry and some of the author friends doctor friends who i had and we did a one-hour discussion on what does well-being mean to them and what are they doing for their family to keep up the pace with this whole lockdown and even if people could get one straw out of their lives then it was great So we did the whole series of uh, 21 days with 21 personalities and uh, such many live shows. We also did a lot of work through my NGO, uh, which deals with a lot of slums in uh, Mumbai. And uh, over 700 plus families started being supported from April 2020 for ration, medical, rents of their hutments to fees for the uh, children and so on, including three local village hospitals in a district in Maharashtra, where we provided the medicines, the feriparavir and all of these medications that were required for COVID, oxygen concentrators, PPE, kits, gloves, and a whole lot of, uh, you know, items that were required by the hospital. So it was uh, not just talk, what I saw that God was making You know, I say compassion is sympathy in action. We just feel sorry. Oh, my God, uh, this is happening. But what can I do? What is that one thing I can do? And even if all of us cannot do everything, I believe everyone can do something. And if we pick that one something, then we will be doing good at the end of the day.
0: It's true. And it's amazing what perseverance can actually achieve just listening to you speak. (laughs) And so do you feel that people turn away from their spiritual calling or gifts and, and their true journey because of fear?
1: Yes, I feel fear actually is the biggest and the opposite polarity of the love energy that we operate from. Through all the evolutionary part of our lives, fear is the constant emotion. The mosquito is fearing when it is going to be squashed the deer is fearing when it is going to be eaten up every part of our evolution fear has been the biggest constant emotion and thereby reaching the human life fear is to a large extent the driving factor and it has also sadly been the driving factor to control civilization everything that i could tell you as a human but you wouldn't listen has been put into the doctrine, has been put into the organized religious format, or God said this and God said that. So I also help people to move away from that. To not be God-fearing, but be God-loving. To do away with superstitions, to do away with things that are dogmatic in their very nature, and that were used against humanity to simply control us. Whereby the remote control of our lives is with somebody else. And yes, the fear of humiliation, fear of failure, ridicule, rejection, fear of earning money from spiritual gifts. God, gifts are for free. (laughs) We have been born and brought up with that. And it was difficult for me to, to charge money for my gifts and my time and my service until I was guided how money is the karmic energy just like time. And that whether birth or death, divorce or marriage, anything, you are exercising money at the end of it. Emotional health, mental health, this health, that, anything. Money is being exchanged at the end of it. And even for the people who do larger humanitarian work where they are not charging, there is somebody nullifying their karmic exchange of existence by providing them food, clothing, traveling, staying and living under this roof of the universe. So somebody is exercising that karmic exchange of money for them to do that larger work for humanity. And that kind of took away my fear of exchanging, you know, the energy exchange for my work. And this profoundness that helped me on my path ahead. And I help each and every one. And it beautifully said that what is not God's job is to cheat, to oppress, to hurt. Your service is just like the tailor who's providing you clothes, otherwise you would be naked. It's just like the doctor who is serving you and the medicines that you're buying. It is just like the teacher who's being paid to teach. And every service done where humanity is gaining is God's job and God's work. So and
0: how, how oh sorry
1: <laughs> yes please sorry no no i was
0: going to say so how how would one know they're on the right path in life
1: you know one important thing as my master uh god uh meher baba says words to effect that when you think you are on the path then you are not <laughs> So in modest words, I feel it would be to become aware of your intents, your thoughts, your actions, your words. If you lead a life of love, kindness, compassion, non-judgmentalism, non-discrimination, acceptance and doing what is out of love, then I feel that you are seemingly on the path. To love your fellow beings would be to be on the right path. To hurt no one would be to be on the right path. And my main work, as I said earlier, is this, I feel, to enthuse people through this very path of practical spirituality that will help them gain overall freedom that we are constantly chasing, emotional freedom, mental freedom, financial freedom, physical freedom, and above all, spiritual freedom. So I feel that if we are working with little, little milestones to better ourselves, to who I was five minutes back or a day back, then we are doing good and we are seemingly on the path. my path, that's lovely. Okay, great. And
0: So what could one do to live more healthily and be more balanced
1: holistically? For mostly, Christine, I think, uh, which lacks in most of the clients or students that I deal with, is that we do not take responsibility of our lives. I think we should learn to take 100 percent responsibility of our lives, to stop all blame games and know that the change is with and within me. When I digress to blame all around me and the world and the government and the economy and God and every you know, thing that is around me, then all my focus is glow- going in that blame energy. Then, as I said earlier, the remote control of my life is with all of these things. And to live a healthy, holistically well life, I feel we should do everything in our capacity to keep that remote control of life in our hands. If I accept the mess that I have done, then I will know that I have the power to clean it up as well. But if someone else has made the mess, I may spend all my life waiting for them to come and clear it. (laughs) To believe that, you know, the only point of change in the universe is I, me, myself. I cannot change anyone or anything, but when I change, I can change everyone and everything around me in context towards me. And that is, for me, the most simplest thing. If we can do, then we will, you know, have a life that is healthy in every way and we will move towards bettering it for ourselves and our loved ones around. like looking within to to see the out (laughs) as as rightly said what is within is without we try to clean the glass from the other side and think that the whole vision is blurry so that's what it is so you talk a lot about inspirational leadership Um, what is it and how does it apply to entrepreneurs on this call I feel uh, the initial step to inspirational leadership is what each one on this call may already be living by, whether they are aware of it or not. And that first step for me is to be a living example of what you truly believe in that is impacting the lives of others. For me, inspirational leadership is that which is inspiring from within and motivates action from the outside in the real world. It is a leader whose core essence is to pointedly elevate that individual and the task squad performance heights to greater heights each day and kindles that inner passion fire and creativity of each one around them. It's almost like cloning your passion, franchising your vision to everyone in the downline without actually maybe even physically interacting with them you know, and what I've seen that however audacious, the you know, innovation or work will be inspiring leadership will always help in unveiling that dormant potential of the people, you know, within the team. And it it is not like spoon feeding, but actually propelling you by action to, you know, take that dynamic leap and making each one, uh, you know, learn what they can pick up from those actions. And when you exercise inspirational leadership, you kickstart an inner alignment for each one around you that helps them in instilling values that inspire for life and help them to follow their passion and move towards ambitious goals for themselves and for the organizations they belong to. And through this inspirational leadership, I have seen and I feel I live it, I exercise it in my life, that you can create self-motivated entrepreneurs. They are people who then scale heights within an organization through what they innovate and create for the company they belong to. And they in turn also rise and grow with the company. It becomes like an extension of yourself in a way. Yes.
0: <laughs> So how can the people on this call best help their clients who are, you know, in pain or or fear still? Are there any simple tools or methods of getting
1: people centered that you can teach us? uh there are a few things that we could tap into uh, which are like easy methods which i've seen work best with some home based clients and working clients as well especially the ones who currently i've been working with since the covid uh, last year as an in house wellness coach and therapist for a large uh, it corporate in india one is the power of words and affirmations words have this energy just like everything else and they create spell-like frequency when uttered. Do you know what words are also called? What is the other word for words? When we were in school, we had a dictation of that. (laughs) Anyone in the comments have something to say?
0: (laughs) I want to say words are
1: action. So in school, we learned that words were also called spellings, spellings, and that's because they create that spell of frequency when they are uttered. That's why the quote, words once fired can never come back just like bullets.
0: That's very true.
1: So help the clients, help the people to firstly change their mind chatter and self-talk when doctors use the word psychosomatic okay earlier it was a taboo to even ever use this but when somebody got a heart attack the doctor would still say please don't give him stress don't talk about stressful things to this person don't talk of any tensions to this person why would that be so what has heart got to do with that but because everything first germinates from our mind the emotional frequency of everything that we feel and emote within us reaches the mind which ultimately communicates so if we help them with better communication skills appear 80 percent of the job is done and you practice it yourself too encourage them to work on alternative words and to record some key affirmations pertaining to their life in their own voice and daily listen to them while repeating it themselves now again there's a science to it when we were young we would be asked to speak loudly when we were learning uh, spelling or uh, history or anything don't read it in the mind read loudly read loudly speak loudly because there's a science when our voice comes out and goes back to the energy of our ears it gets embedded in five of our energy centers which we call the chakras and that imprint is much more stronger for us to remember things. And therefore, if they record, you know, some nice positive affirmations in their own voice and then listen to them every day, especially when they are down, just plug it in and listen. It is unbelievable the way the energy will change within 10 minutes of that time. Second is, uh, I would say, maybe support them to use self-soothing practices. Sadly enough, the most uh, common self-soothing practices that people reach out in times of dilemma, trauma, grief, or hurt is alcohol, smoking, chocolates, and a tub of ice cream, retail frenzy. But those are additional problem-creating behaviors. They are not self-soothing. So the work is, to move away from this irony. That though they are called self-soothing to help them understand that this temporary, you know, uh, kind of uh, actions that they took, which were their old defense mechanisms are not the right ones. To encourage them to new coping methods, which would be the best way to regulate, you know, the deeply distressing emotions that they may be going through. So one easy thing would be, to create uh, something which I learned was a self-soothing toolkit. It's like a self-pampering box, which typically includes uh, reminders of all our five senses. So it would be things that would be comforting: smells, such as you know essential oils, candles, uh, little you know uh, bottle of the famous uh, or favorite perfume that you love, pleasant taste like herbal teas or favorite healthy snacks, things that are soothing to touch, such as, you know, uh, your favorite scarf or a stress ball or something of that sort of flower, a tiny part of your plant, comforting sights, such as photographs, a pen drive, which has some nice old memories of videos. It could be a folder with pictures like a scrapbook, Soothing sounds, such as favorite piece of music, chants or guided meditation. And it's like the toolkit that you can carry around. It may not be a box. It could be a little drawstring pouch. And I still carry some common, uh, you know, toolkits so that if I'm out and if anybody needs it, it is a generic thing. That perfume will elevate the person, even if other things don't. So help them do that and carry it like a mobile self-soothing toolkit wherever they go. The other thing is the inculcation of discipline, of daily breathing, meditation, yoga, spending the me time. We all know professional time and personal time, but trust me, the personal time is also not ours. The personal time is for family and friends and neighbors and this ones and that ones. So I have categorized a third category called the me time. there's professional life personal life and me life and how much time i'm giving to that me life so in the me life help them to at least create for the beginning five to ten minutes daily which can be powerful enough help them to cut jazz out of all these you know inner work spiritual concepts like meditation blanking of the mind and sitting in this posture no it's not required because meditation is not about getting anything from the outside inside, but it is about surfacing and resurfacing and reprogramming that what is already latently lying within us. It is not about blanking the mind, but it is about quieting the ego mind that is creating the thoughts. So when thoughts come, allow them to pass as clouds, allow them to pass as, you know, television images. You cannot stop a television program. You can't pause it and see it later. So just like that, allow these thoughts to pass and not now. And just keep focused to the candle, to their breathing, to the guided meditation or wherever they may be. So help them to cut away from all of these overwhelming factors, as I say, which can dissuade actually people from doing any, you know, me time inner practices. Out of this, deep breathing is very, very Powerful and it can help even reverse a lot of physiological and physical ailments and problems so Another uh, thing in deep breathing you will see everywhere is that you will have these breathing counts Four in four out mostly equal counts But actually speaking just like spirituality Which is not about garnering things But what you release and what you shed lighter things go up heavy things go down simple physics so when you shed and when you release everything each day one thing that is unserving to your growth and your well-being you are going one step ahead so this deep breathing which actually is a great daily practice where you take three inhales four holds and six exhales so the exhales need to be more what do exhales do They release the toxic waste matter through the breath. So we keep the three inhales, we hold for four, and we release for six. And to do this for 21 days, and then after 21 days, the person can increase the holds and exhales by three points at a time. Slow, milestones, baby work, baby steps. Not to jump it. And then do another set of 21 days keeping the inhales at three and the if you study the biggest of the yogis or spiritual people or you know people who are great at their work and spirituality just does not mean being in the mountains and meditating for five hours or ten hours you doing your work with great passion and honesty and inner poise inspiring life, touching lives, impacting lives, giving livelihood to lives, that is spirituality in action as well. So it helps in greater productivity. It helps in cleansing. It helps in balancing. It helps in inner alignment. It helps in creativity, in clarity, in focus, in concentration, in everything that you need as a toolkit of well-being for your daily life. The other last thing I would uh, share in this, is the technique maybe many know of, the Pomodoro Technique, which works like brilliance. And it is about, you know, the XRs in one space that we spend, the ambience, the energy stagnates around us. And anything that stagnates, again, gets heavy, gets toxic, and weighs us down. So this technique has been an amazing one for me and my clients and participants of our seminars that I've shared with. So the Pomodoro technique is like a time management technique, a method, based on a 25-minute stretch that you do work, engrossed work, without getting digressed, without getting distracted, and you break it with a three to five-minute break. In that break, you get up from your seat, you move around, you do something, go to your window, gaze at the sky, do what you want, and then come back to another set of 25 minutes of hardcore work. This moves the energy, this creates circulation in the energy around you and within you. It creates gathering of momentum and thereby kind of breaks through constrictions and blockages which stagnant energy can create. And you can try to do that and it is extremely powerful, extremely productive and I've seen the results uh, myself. It helps in kind of, you know, getting back that vital life force energy frequency, which maybe had slowed down because just for hours and hours you're standing, sitting in front of that computer and keeping on doing and so hyperventilating about this presentation to get over. It will help you to do more work in less time. As I always say, there is nothing called time management. You can't manage time. We all have 24 hours. The biggest of the freedom fighter, the scientist, the beggar, the president, the prime minister, we all have 24 hours. What I can do is prioritize these 24 hours. And once I learn that game of prioritizing my 24 hours, time will be my best friend. It will always be for me and with me and never against me. So, yeah. Just Thank sorry you. to add, you know, uh, it reminds me that in recent years, I read that walking meetings have become a fad. They've become the favorite of a lot of top executives and, you know, business managers because it provides people with that energy circulation. It assists also in blood circulation frees yes. <laughs> the energy blockages inside us mm-hmm. and attributed to clearer thinking scientifically and more energetic brainstorming, debating, coming up with innovative ideas however radical or audacious they may be. And in fact, I also read that the late Steve Jobs swore by his walking meetings as the key to do some of the most uh, you know, revolutionary ideas and brainstorming work. Because I feel being outdoors or just moving around in fresh air or within your space, being in nature is absolutely an added bonus. But even if you can't do that, being able to move around in your space, from the stifling, you know, uh, box of that desk and fixed environment, can do, you know, real good
0: wonders. I was going to add to: if you are walking in nature, you're opening up your senses as well. So everything is, is working, you know, together in synergy. Um, we have two more questions. Time is a little bit tight, um, but let me jump into the next one. From an Indian perspective, what do you see that's different now in India and its role in the world than maybe, say, 10 years ago?
1: I I think the biggest thing uh, that I see, and it has been earlier, but COVID made it very stark. You know, it made it visible. Its presence was dominant. And that, I feel, is we are not just seeking the change anymore but doing our best to be that change just as Mahatma Gandhi said be the change that you wish to see and we are willing to jump out of our comfort zone and not just think out of the box but i feel we have thrown the boxes out of the window (laughs) you know we are learning to stand up for ourselves we are no longer wanting to be subjugated in any way by anyone Even if it is our loved ones and family which did that, you know, we are knowing our worth. We want to do our best being, you know, in our motherland rather than the easy way out of trying to make it big elsewhere. I've had nth number of friends and some of my clients, besides other random people who you read about, coming back to India, leaving their cushy and, you know, uh, highly... Uh, rated jobs, profiles, and coming to do something here. And most importantly, I see is that they are willing to step out of, you know, a certain way of dogmatic living that we had to a large extent. Though a lot of work needs to be done there, we still think 500 years behind, but I feel it's happening. We are we, we are getting onto that new freeway of life, you know, And I also understand that whenever any freeway is done and being created, there is a lot of muck and stones and pebbles that, you know, fly around. But when it is finished, then we can zip through in much lesser time from one place to the other. And that's what life is all about. So, yes. Very true. Just to add that with this, I live by this mantra of, I change to change India. I change to change the world. And if each one of us can do that, we will be 8 billion healed people, empowered and enabled people. Exactly.
0: It's very true for every one person that thinks, oh, I can't do this. If they just did it, (laughs) we'd all be doing something different. (laughs) And So to wrap things up, what is your big message for our viewers and where can people contact you and and how can you help them?
1: I think... uh, my big message uh, today would be that between the two crucial certificates of our life, <laughs> birth and death let's make every moment and day count to live our existence in the best way possible we owe it to ourselves and then to who and where we belong to live with love honor and gratitude for all that life brings where our hearts Are held high in love and heads low in humility and for me that living is if we can help people to live in that sense of knowing the importance of gratitude kindness compassion and actions based out of love energy rest or trust me shall fall in place I can be contacted on LinkedIn, Instagram and my Facebook page where I share daily inspiring guided messages, meditations, techniques and uh, yoga and a whole lot of other things for the journey of wellness. I also have YouTube channels with a lot of empowering videos. And over these 12 years, I have over 2000 videos, over 500 blogs uh, that are there. My website is roshnishanaz.com. I will write it in... Uh, And all my social media goes by the same name of Roshni Shannaz as the handle. And my NGO space is also there. I would love people to see that uh, charity is not just about money and it is about mindful soul involvement. And our talents, our gifts, our time, everything is there which can be extended to do good in our daily life. Our foundation is called Meher Roshni Foundation.org and... Uh, it's there on social media as well with the same name. Great. Thank you,
0: Roshni. And thank you so much for your time and for joining us today. It was an absolute pleasure to hear you speak. And thank you to all the guests that joined and that are going to be listening in, in, you know, in the future. <laughs> and uh, you know, just overall, thank
1: you very much. Very insightful. Thank you so much, Christine, for having me and this opportunity to speak to all the lovely souls who joined. Thank you for sparing your time to be with us and uh, this opportunity to share my heart with all of you. Thank you so much. And a big thanks to Mike for this opportunity and extending my love and blessings to Mike and Landy. So. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Namaste.